I also acknowledge the Métis people of Alberta who have, of course, a deep uh, connection to this land. And a special thanks uh, to uh, the mayor, uh, the mayor of St. Albert, Kathy Heron, uh, for having us in the beautiful uh, uh, city of St. Albert here today. So Alberta's government has been working very hard to find solutions to enhance uh, public safety across the province, to uphold our responsibility to preserve the safety and well-being of our communities. To that end, this year's uh, provincial budget includes $163 million in new money for law enforcement and public safety initiatives, including uh, hiring more Alberta sheriffs and expanding their roles and authorities, uh, funding for uh, more RCMP officers in rural Alberta, increased funding for Alberta law enforcement response teams known as ALERT uh, to enhance its ability to fight uh, serious and organized crime. Uh, these are important steps our, our government has taken to fulfill the mandate uh, to ensure adequate and effective policing all throughout the province. However, uh, we also know that communities across Alberta have unique needs. Uh, no two communities are the same, and I understand that these unique needs require unique solutions. The people in our communities, uh, local residents, uh, community organizations and decision makers have valuable insight and ideas about how to address the challenges facing their own communities. Uh, no one knows their communities uh, better than you, the people who live there. And over the last few years, the provincial government has heard from communities interested in new policing options, including developing their own standalone police service or a regional policing model. We've heard that message loud and clear. And that's why Alberta's government is empowering communities across the province to explore different policing options and choose what's best for them. That's what our Indigenous and uh, Municipal uh, Police Transition uh, Studies grant is really, truly all about. Over the next two years, the government is offering a total of $6 million to communities and municipalities uh, and Indigenous communities uh, that uh, want to conduct an independent uh, feasibility study. Successful applicants can receive up to $30,000 for each community towards developing a feasibility study that will help them examine local public safety needs and gaps, capital requirements, and transition considerations. The feasibility study will also outline potential models that will best serve the community, which may include a local self-administered police service, uh, possibly a regional policing, uh, additional law enforcement supports, or the status quo. Following the independent study, the provincial uh, government will work with the community on their uh, decision to proceed with the model that serves them best. We received uh, 13 applications from across the province, uh, and uh, ministry officials have heard additional communities are interested in applying. The intent of these grants is to give communities like St. Albert the tools and the information to make an informed decision about what's best for them. Alberta's government supports communities that want to improve public safety through new approaches to local policing. This includes supporting our friends in Indigenous communities with true and meaningful reconciliation by empowering them to determine uh, their own policing steps. Last September, uh, we helped Siksika Nation uh, reach an agreement uh, with the federal government to establish a self-administered uh, police service, the first uh, the first new First Nations police service in Canada in more than a decade. And currently, uh, the provincial government is working with a number of uh, other Indigenous communities to explore uh, self-policing options as well. I remain committed to these important partnerships. We 
are also providing Grand Prairie with $9.7 million in funding over two years to help uh, the city carry out its decision to establish a municipal police service. Uh, our support uh, for these local policing initi initiatives have led some people to wrongly suggest that the government is abandoning the exploration of an Alberta police service. So let me be clear when we say this again. The provincial government hasn't made any decision about the uh, Alberta police service. Alberta's government still believes it's prudent for the province to weigh all its public safety options. This is particularly important considering the federal government has given many signals that there could be significant changes to the RCMP contract policing right across Canada when, it, when the current agreement expires in 2032. So in the more immediate future, we've also been very clear about our focus on empowering our communities to make their own choices and in making sure that the current policing model is meeting the needs of Albertans. These two things are not mutually exclusive, and both can be true. So it's time to look for new and uh, innovative policing uh, solutions for communities right across this province. This is part of a, the necessary paradigm shift that I have talked about for quite some time, which is no longer will police services be seen and used as an arm of the state. Rather, they must be an extension or actually a reflection of the communities that they serve. Alberta's government is, is giving communities the tools to uh, keep moving in this direction, to keep the public safe and ensure that Albertans and their families feel secure in their homes and communities at work or on the road. So I'm going to now pass it on to the mayor, and I'd like to thank uh, who is also the mayor of St. Albert, but also the president of the Alberta municipalities. <laughs> Kathy, thank go you. ahead. Thank you. Thank you, Minister Ellis, and uh, welcome to St. Albert, and thank you for choosing my home community to have this conversation. I think for uh, my myself as a mayor and also the president of Alberta municipalities, I think the first and most important thing that we mention is that for communities such as ours, public safety has always been a, a big priority, and in the last couple of years has been even more so. Uh, with the talks of a provincial police service, the conversation has been started. And, of course, um, some of the social issues that are coming out of the pandemic have caused us all to uh, take a better look at how we are serving our communities. And so I want to start with an appreciation. This $30,000 grant truly does empower individual municipalities to look at what their local needs are. And that is really important. We've been asking for that for many years to, to be able to be... Um, seen as individuals and a true level and a true partner um, with the provincial government. So that is that is great news. Uh, you know, the $30,000 is, is a good start. You know, I'm, I'm not sure it's going to cover the entire bill, but of course the communities are willing to put in what they are required to contribute to this conversation too. And then we we really need to have a conversation as also about regional policing, as uh, the minister mentioned. I'm, I'm in the region of Edmonton. There's also the giant region down south in Calgary. Um, we have communities surrounding those two major cities that have Edmonton and Calgary have municipal forces, but most of us surrounding it have RCMP. It does not make sense for Leduc, Spruce Grove and St. Albert and, and maybe Fort Saskatchewan to have individual munis municipal services. So we would very much welcome the opportunity to pool this money, and we have been given the okay on that one, to have that conversation. I think for many of us, we're, we are waiting to see um, what the federal government does with contract policing and RCMP. But for us, our priorities are always going to be um, autonomy and oversight over our local policing. 
We want good value for the dollars that we are spending on policing. And first and foremost, we want quality police services in our community that meets our individual needs. So these are all um, things that are priority for myself. I have nothing more to add that than other than what Minister Ellis said. So I think we can open it up for questions. Thank you, Minister. Thank you, Kathy. That brings us to the end of the formal part of the announcement, and we'll now move to media questions and answers. We're going to first by answering some of the questions from the media in attendance today. There's a microphone just over there by the cameras. If you could please say your name, which outlet you're from, and we'll give you one question and one follow-up. We'll put you through the first one here. Uh, my name is Jack Farrell. I write for our local newspaper here in St. Albert. Uh, the first question from Minister Ellis. So the $6 million pool... Uh, some rough math would mean that would be enough for about 200 municipalities to get that grant. Has there been any thoughts in uh, increasing the grant amount instead to have uh, essentially have it cover more for the municipalities that are interested in applying versus, as Mayor Heron said, that 30000 really won't cover much, especially as we saw here in St. Albert with the report released yesterday, that would cost about 300000 or so at least to uh, do that study. Yeah, certainly. Good question. I mean, if we have to uh, go back to Treasury Board and there's a significant interest uh, whereby the entirety of the $6 million is being used, then we'd have to look and see. Like Again, I want to make sure that municipalities are empowered so that uh, they are making informed decisions. Again, uh, as the mayor indicated, this is a collaborative process. You know your communities uh, certainly better than I do. And if uh, you know the mayor or somebody else comes to me and says, you know what, I think that uh, I think that we we might need a little bit more money in order to conduct a bit thorough, more thorough of a uh, uh, a study, then you know that's precisely what we'll do. We'll look and see what our options are available to us. Again, it's about empowering you folks. Thank you. Okay. Do you have a follow up? Yeah, uh, for Mayor Heron. Sure. Uh, nice to see you before the council meeting. <laughs> um, so the last time we talked about it, you had told me that you were kind of going to wait to see about regional policing until after the provincial election. So I guess, do you have an update on that for me? Or have you put more thought into that since the last time we talked about a month ago? I think what's important is that we're ready for whatever comes, whether it's provincial policing or the, or the federal government ends contract or the conversation about regional. Um, so I, we are only a short time from the provincial election. I don't think there's a rush or an urgency to, to get this decision done. Um, uh, to, for me personally, you know, if uh, we need to, we need to have some signals from the provincial government on what they're doing with APPS, because that is obviously a big trigger that many of the mayors and councillors across the province are waiting for before they decide on what they're going to do locally. Absolutely. Thank you. Okay, we'll take the next question. Please say your name and outlet. I'm Keith Driver from Windspeaker Radio Network. Uh, my question is for um, Minister Ellis. Uh, just in regards to funding for municipalities, as there is limited in how many, what is the guarantees from the government of making sure Indigenous uh, communities are being included and not being put further down the list when wanting their own police force? Oh, that's nothing can be further from the truth on that. I mean, obviously, we're uh, supporting uh, Siksika Nation, right? Uh, we have uh, um, uh, had uh, probably... I think about five other First Nations communities that have also um, um, indicated to us that they would like to do some uh, sort of self-administered policing. Uh, so obviously making the money available for them is, is something that we're planning on doing. Um, and then also, just as we did with Siksika, uh, collaboratively working with them, uh, with the federal government, uh, to help them establish whatever is going to meet their needs. And if it is their uh, self-administered policing service, so that's precisely what we're going to do. Again, it's all about being, or again, a reflection, right, and part of the community. Right? Okay. 
Thank you. And do you have a follow-up? Uh, yes, just one follow-up. It's just in regards to already existing uh, police forces, such as right now in the Kenai Nation, where they are dealing with a major drug yeah. uh, in um, Pretty, um, pretty much almost a drug war. Uh, how would this funding already help existing poli- uh, existing police forces like the like in the Blood Tribe? Well, I mean, I mean, certainly, if the, if the the, the, the Blood Tribe uh, wished to uh, apply for the grant, then what they would what they would likely see from this is uh, a study that would see how they can augment their current uh, police service. And what I, I mean, I, I don't have crystal ball. I don't know what the study was going to say, but but certainly if any existing uh, police service, I know we're on our way uh, up to the uh, Slave Lake area as well, where they have their uh, own uh, policing service up in the north, north region. Um, certainly, and I was talking to Chief uh, Dale uh, Cox, who's the, the, the chief of um, uh, the police service up north. Um, certainly, if, if they wanted to apply for that particular grant and see how they can further augment their policing, you know, hopefully that helps, right? Right. And then see how we can support them. Thank you. Thank you. Allison McKinnon, uh, CTV News, Edmonton. Uh, first question for Mayor Heron. Um, I, thought, I thought you were looking at me. I'm so, I'm so sorry. Um, when we last spoke, you were against a provincial police force. Um, are you one of those 13? And, and what are your thoughts now? We have not applied officially for the $30,000 grant. Uh, as a, as a president of an association who has a standing resolution to support RCMP in the province, I, you know, I have to have to reflect the will of the 200-odd members that are part of Alberta municipalities. And my own council has passed a very public motion to support RCMP in our communities, uh, in this community in particular. We, we are well served by the RCMP here. We have a very low crime rate, and, and I have nothing to complain about with RCMP. And we have a very... Uh, highly functioning police committee. So oversight um, and of our priorities is, is good here in St. Albert. I hear elsewhere that's not the same case. So as president of Alberta municipalities, I think what this grant does is allow those individual municipalities, whether they are currently have municipal forces or RCMP, to make sure that this is what best serves them, because it might not be. Simple as that. You want to add to yeah, that? Yeah, let me add that. So just to be clear, the, the, the grant doesn't mean you're supportive of an Alberta police service, right? It just means that it's going to do an independent study to find out what is going to meet the best needs of that that community. Maybe it is status quo. I don't know what the study is going to say. Maybe it talks about a regional approach. Again, we're just talking about a study that is going to explore all the options to provide whatever that recommendation is to that municipality so that then they can come to the government and then we can work together to see what is going to meet the best needs of that community. Great. Thank you. And do you have a follow-up? I do. Uh, Minister Ellis, um, you were the former uh, Minister of Addictions. Yes. And uh, we're talking about these involuntary uh, treatment facilities. Do, do you support that? or? Well, it's, it's a pretty broad question. Uh, I think I've been actually very public in saying that we would be looking at um, involuntary treatment options. Yeah, I mean... I mean, obviously, under mental, uh, uh, the Mental Health Act, we do have involuntary treatment. And obviously, uh, we have what is known as a Form 10. So police officers, if the person is posing a danger to themselves or others, uh, can uh, certainly um, uh, determine that that person needs to go to get some medical treatment. Uh, I think that it can be argued that uh, if somebody is uh, overdosing and being Narcaned anywhere from five to ten times a day, uh, that that person likely is posing uh, a potential danger to themselves and that we may have to do some sort of medical intervention in order to help uh, save their life. 
So, you know, all options are on the table. I think we have to do whatever it takes to make sure that we protect people. It's part of that recovery-oriented system of care. Thank you. Thank you, Minister. Before we continue for some questions on the floor here, we have someone on the line. So, Operator, can you put through the first caller? Janet French, CBC. Hi there. Can't see you, So, uh, but I've got a question for Ellis and a question for uh, Kathy. So I'll start with the minister. Um, some people might look at these grants and this professed support for municipalities to be exploring their own police services and toggle over to your mandate letter and the future of Alberta policing website and feel a little bit confused, like these elements are sending mixed messages about your government's intention. So what would you say to the suggestion that encouraging municipalities to develop municipal or regional police forces is a backdoor workaround to eventually getting a provincial police force? No. Uh, thank you very much, Janet, for the for the question. Look, um, look. This is not about the heavy-handed government going and telling the city of Saint Albert or any other municipality saying uh, we're going to do this and uh, you need to get in line. That's not what we're what we're doing. Um, we're going to respect all uh, municipalities and 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 quite frankly, uh, I have heard everything. I've heard everything from. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, we support an Alberta uh, policing service, and uh, we'd like to stand in line and wait for you to do it. To note, we're completely content with the RCMP, and uh, thank you, but no thank you. And then, of course, everything in between. So, you know, rather than uh, do uh, one extreme or the other, it's about empowering these municipalities to ensure what is actually in the best interest for them. And that's precisely what we're going to do. And it's an independent study. Let the study take place. And then we can have a, a conversation with each municipality and, and figure out where to go from there. Thank you, Minister. And Janet, you said you had another question. I do for Mayor Heron. So last week you told my colleague that St. Albert is in the preliminary stages of exploring a regional police service, possibly around Edmonton. Can you be more specific about what you mean by exploring and why you're exploring it, who you're speaking with, and why you're interested in regional policing? Because Spruce Grove and Strathcona County are telling me they're not looking at this. For clarity, uh, the, the information request that came out of the City of St. Albert Council was one individual member of council asking just some exploratory questions, and he actually didn't include the concept of regional policing. The report came back with um, comparables to Grand Prairie, and I think all eyes in Alberta are actually on Grand Prairie right now. It cost them about $150,000 to do the initial study and another two hundred fifty dollars to do a transitional study. And then, of course, I don't know with or without the support of the provincial government with a 9.7 to actually do the transition, what would have happened. So there's a lot of balls in the air. Uh, the information request that came back to St. Albert Council was actually recommending that we wait till after the provincial election to see where we are going with Alberta provincial policing. So um, the mayors in the region, we work very closely together uh, and the conversation has occurred, but we have not sat down at the formal table of EMRB or any other formal table and committed to exploring regionally uh, at this time. Does that help? Thank you. Operator, can you put through the next caller? Arthur Green, Western Standard. Good day, Minister. Thank you for uh, taking my question. Um, you said earlier that the uh, provincial police force is not off the table uh, when it comes to a decision. Uh, when can Albertas, or Albertans expect an, a, a decision on a, a provincial police force? You know, Arthur, I think we're going to get a better idea when we start having some of these studies start to, to come in and uh, we start having these uh, conversations. 
uh, with uh, with the municipalities. Uh, again, I don't know what the recommendations are going to be. I don't know what uh, you know all of the um, we'll say the, the 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 options or in which direction that the municipality wants to go. Again, I, I have had municipalities reach out to me. Uh, one specifically saying that we specifically want an Alberta Police Service, and I respect them, no different than I respect the uh, municipality that reaches out to me and says, I only want the RCMP. But as I've said already, Arthur, and I, I know some folks sometimes tend to forget what I say in regards to this, the, the federal government has signal-checked on several different occasions that they may be looking, and I don't mean the RCMP, I am talking about Public Safety Canada, has signal-checked that they may be looking at stepping away from contract policing. This is not Alberta versus anybody. The British Columbia, Saskatchewan, uh, and I believe it was uh, New Brunswick, uh, who have also looked at saying, hey, we need to start exploring other options. So all we're doing is in one of the scenarios, and I used to be a police officer, so i got to prepare for any type of scenario. If the scenario comes back where they are actually stepping away from contract policing, I've said this before, it would be negligent on my part if we didn't explore all the options that we have available to us. Which will take some time. Which will take some time, absolutely. Thank you, Minister. Arthur, do you have a follow-up? Uh, I do. Um, the UCP government appears to be considering the potential de- development of a, a Compassionate Intervention Act in the province to uh, help people struggling with addiction. Um, my question is for Minister Ellis. Uh, would such an act be a, a vital tool for curing uh, social disorder in big cities in, in Alberta? Uh, I think that's similar to a question that was uh, just asked, but I mean, I'll just uh, I'll repeat what I said. Uh, look, I, I mean, um, again, when, when, you're, when you're dealing with somebody in the, the throes of addiction um, um, and they are overdosing uh, anywhere from five to ten times daily, um, uh, to uh, allow them to continue to overdose is actually not compassionate. So we have to look at some form of, of intervention. Uh, whereby, no different than what we have under the Mental Health Act, uh, no different that we have in what is known as PCHAD or PCHIP, which are two forms of legislation, where we have uh, young people who are under the age of 18, uh, where parents uh, do, not, uh, uh, do not know what to do, and they will go to the courts and ask for intervention uh, in order to uh, have the police come in and detain that uh, young person, take them to a facility in order to get some form of treatment, um, this is already stuff that is uh, on the books right here in Alberta. So, uh, again, when we're looking at somebody who is facing a severe addiction issue, to make sure that we are compassionate, and I would say that it's not compassionate to allow that person to continue to overdo- overdose five to ten times uh, a day. Thank you, Minister. Operator, can you put through the next caller? Rick Bell, Calgary Sun. <clears throat> Good afternoon. A question for Minister Ellis. Uh, if you can put on your former Calgary police hat uh, on this whole uh, involuntary uh, treatment stuff. You've talked about the multiple overdoses a day, and I get that. That's been mentioned by police uh, services across Canada, that they're frustrated with that. If this were to come into play, how would this help in dealing with individuals who are perceived not just to be a danger to themselves, like the multiple overdoses a day people, but also 
those people who are a danger to others because their behavior is so erratic and, you know, destructive that they're also a danger to the community as well. How do you think that would help in dealing with those people who are a danger to the community? Well, that's a, that's a great question, Rick, because, uh, you know, when, what you're talking about is people who are having a bad reaction to crystal meth. So let me be very crystal, uh, be, be crystal clear, should I say, in regard to crystal meth. Um, look, this is absolutely one of the most uh, dangerous drugs that is out there. Uh, it makes uh, people do some very, very unpredictable things. And I can tell you, as uh, obviously somebody who has had uh, a lot of experience dealing with people uh, in uh, or experiencing a bad trip on crystal meth, um, you know, uh, I think to the to the to the lay person, they will look the, look at that person and say, "Oh my goodness, uh, that person looks like they might be facing some sort of mental health crisis." Uh, and of course, as the as the police officer, you attend the scene, you make sure that you uh, calm the person down, as an example, and do the best you can to restrain that individual. Uh, but when you, upon further examination, um, they may not be having a mental health crisis. They actually may be having a bad reaction to, to uh, the drug crystal meth. So then you have to sit there and say, well, what, well, now what do we do? What do we do with that person? So we, we have to start looking at these alternatives because it would be, again, it would be negligent and I don't think compassionate at all, quite frankly, to just send that person uh, out on, on their own where they're left to, to suffer and in the throes of, uh, again, their, their addiction where the cycle of abuse continues. And let me just also add to that, uh, uh, Rick, because I think... I don't, I don't think people quite understand, again, the dangers of crystal meth. Like when we're, when we're talking about uh, people that are banging their heads against the wall or people that are randomly doing acts of violence, and as we've seen these string of, 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 of stabbings, I'm not suggesting all of them at, at all, but I would, I would make the argument, uh, certainly as an experienced police officer who is, is looking at some of this, um, uh, these acts of, of violence, that, you know, we could argue that there is a, a mental health concern. I, I would say that, you know, that's up to a psychiatrist or a forensic psychiatrist to figure out. But I would also make the argument that uh, because of the prevalence of this crystal meth, that it may be a contributing factor. But, you know, this is, this is, this is how dangerous this drug is. And you're seeing it right across Canada, not exclusive to, to Edmonton or Calgary or anywhere else in Alberta. Thank you, Minister. And Rick, do you have a follow-up? a story like this comes out, just like when stories would come out uh, with a previous uh, uh, minister and it would be about the safe consumption sites and the problems at the safe consumption sites, immediately you would have activists who would come out that minutes, hours later and say, this is a terrible idea, it's awful, we can't do this, what we need is maybe more safe consumption sites or a so-called safe supply of drugs, or they would come up with all sorts of things, but they would immediately try to shut down the idea. And I'm sure that's going to happen today if it hasn't happened already. Just shut down the idea of right. involuntary treatment. I mean, again, these are largely activists. What, what do you say to those people who immediately jump on all of these ideas to try to deal with crime, social disorder, and addiction? Well, I would say, I would say, uh, I th I say Albertans have had enough of the activists, to be honest with you. Um, uh, look, I mean, nobody, nobody but nobody 
who, with an objective lens, looks at Eastside Vancouver, where all those policies, those failed policies that you just mentioned, within that uh, several block radius that has about 15 to 20 supervised consumption sites, that has uh, a so-called safe supply, which uh, I'm still waiting for reporters to to uh, really write on the safe supply committee that had the experts and addictions experts from right across the world uh, really give testimony to say that safe supply is not a, a, a real thing, or we call it so-called safe supply. What people need to understand is those drugs that are being handed out in the streets of Vancouver are being diverted. It's a drug called hydromorphone. Hydromorphone um, is a drug that is handed out, the addict, and this, let's also understand addicts. Addicts want the good stuff. The good stuff is the fentanyl. The good stuff is, is not hydromorphone. So the addict will take that drug. Believe me, they'll take that drug. And then they will go and sell it to the drug dealer. And the drug dealer will pay them anywhere from 25 cents to a dollar, whatever the going rate is at that particular time. And then the drug dealer will then go where? To the junior highs, to the high schools, to the post-secondaries. And they will go and sell that to the kids. And then when the kid goes, wow, that hydromorphone was really good, then the drug dealer says, well, I got something better for you. I got fentanyl. And the entire cycle continues and new addicts are being created. That is, just not, that is not my opinion. That is what came out of the Safe Supply Committee. That was actually testimony from one of the doctors who, are on east, or who is in the east side of Vancouver. So uh, these, are, this is, these are not theoretical. All of these... Uh, the, all these policies that you mentioned, Rick, have been tried and tested and have completely failed all up, up and down the west coast of uh, North America, quite frankly. Thank you, Minister. We have one more. We have time for one more line of questions. So we're going to go back to the floor. You can just please say your name and outlet. Thank you. Uh, Danielle Parody, APTN National News. Um, First question is just more of a clarification. Uh, the press release referenced Indigenous communities. I've mostly heard First Nations, so I'm curious, uh, are Métis communities um, in consideration or have they expressed interest in police forcing as well? Uh, I, again, I don't want to uh, out the specific uh, Métis community, but yes, they have, absolutely. And we've, to be honest with you, we have had nothing but uh, positive responses from all of our First Nations or Indigenous or Métis communities. Uh, they're uh, really ex excited about this. And as I mentioned in these notes, I mean, this is what, to me, true reconciliation is about, is empowering these communities. And as I've indicated before, this is so that they are an extension of the community. This is a reflection of the community. So, uh, you know, one of the successes that we had in the Calgary Police Service when we had a 96% approval rating, as an example, years and years ago, was Again, it was that integration to know that the police officer there is there as your friend, as your mentor, and that they're there to help you when you are in a crisis. Thank you. And do you have a follow-up? I do, yeah. Um, so when we speak about First Nations communities, of course, we are speaking about uh, predominantly the RCMP being involved. Um, what community or what are you hearing from communities? I know I've heard issues um, from communities with, their, with what they feel for their policing, uh, but what have you heard in these conversations from First Nations communities? Well, I, I mean... Uh, I guess uh, to answer that question, I mean, that's why we've had uh, at least five communities apply, right? I mean, um, you know, I, I would say that to for some of these communities that I have spoken with, there's been a level of uh, frustration. Um, and uh, again, when I talk about the, the um, 
again, the, the holistic approach, when I say holistic, right, so this is part of what I've been doing. So we talk about the recovery-oriented system of care, and we talk about the integration of the law enforcement community, and then working collaboratively to deal with people who are facing typically any form of mental health or addictions crisis, right? Uh, so disproportionately, as you may or may not know, uh, and certainly as a police officer, I, I can tell you that, or a former police officer, should I say, that the vast majority of people that we would deal with uh, unfortunately have a, um, uh, an addiction or mental health issue as a contributing factor. So as to integrate all of this, and so I would put money into PAC teams, all this sort of stuff as well, but again, part of the recovery-oriented system of care is to make sure that we uh, have a holistic approach when we're dealing with people facing mental health and addictions crisis. And quite frankly, the conversations I've had with those First Nations communities uh, has obviously inspired them, inspired them to the point where, which is why they're applying. And they're applying for, uh, for these grants, and we're excited to work with them and empower them in true reconciliation. Thank you, Minister. That's all the time we have today. Thanks for joining us this afternoon and have a good rest of your day.